I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Kirsten from Folkestone and you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, who decided plumbing should be called plumbing? Okay, here comes the show and remember, question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend and co-host Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer, Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked, and we are talking everything from... We are talking everything from Kirsten from Folkestone's question, who decided plumbing should be called plumbing? It's a good question. It's a good question, Kirsten. And uh, first of all, well done. Lo- yeah. Love to love to Folkestone. I didn't know we uh, had a reach of that. So thank you very much. I'm going to hazard a guess. I've not looked it up yet. Uh, so I'm just going to give it a go. And uh, I think the etymology of the word plumbing might come from the uh, Greek word for lead. Oh, sorry. Is it Greek or Roman word for lead? And uh, obviously a lot of lead, lead piping was used initially for uh, water systems. So that Let me tell be... you something, listeners. I just went and checked it out. Dane Baptiste fucking knows everything. That's another show. <laughs> He's got it right. Well done, Dane. That's exactly yes. it. I got I got weekly slim coming up in a few weeks, so I'm brushing up. Uh, so fair I'm sure. enough. All right, Getting mate. ready for the trivia. Hey, but well, we... you know, suffice to say, on this show, we ask and answer all the questions, even what is tantamount to trivia, Kirsten. So thanks for that one. Trivia is always welcome, Kirsten, and uh, everybody else listening. Thank you very much. And if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from, and you'll never miss an episode. Also, if you do like the show, we very much appreciate if you could subscribe to our Patreon and provide us with some support so we can keep uh, providing all this level of content and have our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. No question is too big, too small, or too lead heavy. With that being said, on today's show is a comedian, actor, and writer. He appeared alongside Meryl Streep in Florence Foster Jenkins, Benedict Cumberbatch in Patrick Melrose, and can be seen in the upcoming film Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny with Harrison Ford. As a live comedian, he has opened for Margaret Cho, Ed Byrne, and Trevor Noah. He performed his cabaret act in New York, London, San Francisco, and Paris, among other places. He is also an accomplished writer and the author of the most popular Substack, Quality Time. And I'd also like to add, I think he's one of the first comedians I've ever seen who made my jaw drop and was able to hold an entire room merely by sitting down and was one of the most inspirational performances I'd ever seen. And I believe may have been just after winning a uh, Hackney New Act of the Year uh, prior to opening for Scott Caporo. But uh, it is a pleasure and privilege to have on the show the man known as the Platinum Fox, also known as the Fairy Godfather. <laughs> Please welcome to the show, Mr. David Mills. Wow, Dane Baptiste, what what an intro. Thank you so much. It's, no, uh, it's a real pleasure, pleasure to see you and a pleasure to be on the show. You too. And uh, I'm, I'm equally enthused just about reading your credits. Um, I can't think of a more deserving person. And I generally think, yeah, um, 
I probably played down how influential your your stagecraft and uh, cadence was to my own uh, delivery of jokes. Now, um, wow, found it amazing just to be, uh, yeah. So yeah, literally enthralling to an audience, but hilarious at the same time as well. And um, yeah, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really well. Thanks so much, Dan. That's that feels so. Um... So great to hear that, especially from you. You know, I, I I look back on those days when we were both starting out uh, with great fondness and when we used to see each other, you know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, our, our paths have diverged, you know, and uh, uh, it was always uh, I can say the same about you. You know, you really brought something completely unique to the stage. And uh, it was just an inspiration to watch you. And, you know, it's been an inspiration to watch your trajectory as well. You know, you've had success after success. And I've been on the sidelines sort of silently cheering along. So I, I'm thrilled for you and thrilled to be here. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, Guys, I, I think, love yeah. it. It's a love fest this time. I really a love this. fest. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. But no, it's, it really it, it's I think uh, watching uh, you as an act for me, uh, made me a lot more aware of comedy as an art form en masse because I think when most people think about comedy they'll have their what we call like a Mount Rushmore of their preferred comics and comics they see um, sure. but to me it was to see someone who had a uh, talent that was equal in many cases superior to a lot of television acts um, and obviously I, I have a, a large largely influenced by American acts but I think yeah just seeing you be able to combine stagecraft with uh, having an extensive cabaret experience for me it was just a great thing to watch and uh, yeah as I say um seeing uh, your trajectories and the successes you've had more recently come as no surprise to me. And uh, fucking hell, at least the good guys win, I feel like. So, yeah, it's, it's, good, it's good to see you. Good yeah, to see good you. to see you. Good to see you. Well, Thank it, you. It's Thank probably you. time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as the format of this show dictates? Absolutely. <laughs> Mr. David Mills, as our very esteemed guest, we'd like to ask you to uh, invite you to ask the first question, which can be any question you like about any topic you'd like, which we'd like to discuss for about 15 minutes. Then my producer friend Howard Cohen would like to pose a question to you, which you'd like to discuss, painkillers notwithstanding. Mm. And uh, I would also <laughs> like to pose a question to you as well, uh, because it's been so long since I've been able to seek your sage advice. And then we'd love for you to tell our listeners and viewers where they can find out about your great work, past, present and future. How does that sound? That Yeah, that sounds good to me. Let's the do floor, it. The floor is yours, sir, to ask the first question. Right. So the question I have is something that I struggle with. Um and think about it a lot, actually. And it's this question, uh, it, it's this idea of no judgment, which uh, is something we hear a lot about today. And I think has been a real, um, almost like a, 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 a movement in the culture, no judgment, no judgment, you know, and I, I think in, in many ways, it's super healthy. But sometimes I wonder, is no judgment bad judgment? Mm. And really, what what do we want in this world? Do we want no judgment, or do we do we want good judgment? And if we want good judgment, how do we how do we develop good judgment if we're never judging, right? Like anything, you need to practice, you know. And like anything, you, you when you practice, you get it wrong. So if I'm not judging, and sometimes getting it wrong. <laughs> then how how am I ever going to develop good judgment? Or maybe good judgment's not the goal. Maybe the only goal is no judgment. Anyway, it's I, a... I can't quite put into words how much I love that question. <laughs> it's a great question. It reminds me of this, um, oh, this story I was told. It was in a song, actually. I have to dig out the song, but uh, about a guy who goes for a 
job interview at McDonald's mm. and um, it's a homeless guy, right? So like, you know, there's potential judgment about that, you know, mm. and obviously the problems of getting a job. But he, he was wearing his underpants outside of his shorts uh, when he went went into the job interview. And you know he didn't get the job, and you know the the, the some of the hygiene issues uh, that may have been at play in that decision. I mean, how could you not make that judgment? You know, that is like a pretty. Were they were they clean? The underwear clean? The, according to the song, no. Uh, okay. And 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 that you know, I mean, it's just a, one of about a billion examples where. You know, ultimately, you are going to judge. I mean, how many drunk people have you judged in your life? And you guys are comics. You see them all the time. How can you not judge a drunk person by the level of danger they're at? It's a, it's a, it's a good question, Howard. And I think, first of all, it's a great question, uh, David. And I think it's a good question because that, for me, that is the uh, at the quantum of all uh, the endeavor of all observational comics. Because uh, I think a lot of time, particularly with comedians, people tend to misinterpret our observations and sometimes our judgments, which I feel like is sometimes our own conclusion based on our observation. And typically most people, and I think one of the reasons that has been the catalyst for this movement has been uh, people perceive observation as or judgment as condemnation. Uh, because it's like, I'm saying that looks fucked up and then that will remain a finite state and that doesn't leave any breath for somebody to change or for them to alter their behavior, which is not necessarily the case. I think mm. in terms of judgment, and even if you look at it on a larger scale, when, you know, typically we use the term judgment in uh, the field of law and criminality, even then it, the idea is that when you are giving a judgment, it's about speaking negatively about the act and not necessarily the person. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the idea is like you're supposed to condemn the crime, but not the criminal. Because if a judgment remains finite, then we don't allow people to be rehabilitated, and that hate the sin, not the sinner. Precisely, and even even with even with the sin itself and sinning, it's like that has been used, and the idea of judgment has been used as the most uh, powerful controlling aspect of uh, Abrahamic belief. Everyone basically is supposed to conduct themselves who adheres to religion in a way that one day there's going to be a mass judgment of yes. everyone, and. You know, I think as we've become arguably slightly more enlightened people, um, I think most people understand that that is not going to be the most realistic approach because, you know, for me, if I were to stand before a deity and they're supposed to give away up my good deeds and my bad deeds, there is a real great area which is going to be largely based on <laughs> masturbation. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, we can skip this. I f I'm sure we can skip this. Mm, My Lord good. and Savior. A lot of skip buttons. Yeah, we skip of, a lot of times. We can, we can skip this. They can skip this. Because, <laughs> you know, I would argue that that is, I mean, is it a sin if I'm, you know, exploring my carnality, not at the expense of any other human being or I lost to anybody else? If like, you know, maybe it helps me to perform a better meeting, maybe relieving myself sexually and being able to calm myself allows me to then go out to conduct more altruistic jobs. Like, for example, if I found out that, you know, uh, you know, a voluntary worker or like maybe Maratu is a poor example. But if somebody was a charity worker or they were a pediatric nurse and they dedicated their entire lives to, you know, helping uh, disadvantaged children or someone who's worked to uh, as a volunteer with refugees or a refugee camp, if it was to transpire that they have a cache of masturbatory tools and vibrators, does that take away from that person's good deeds? I don't know. I'd say we can probably just skip that. But I think that the problem is not, well, something I've had discussions amongst friends 
because I, th- I also feel like you've worded it in the best way where of a generation where no one, the reply to that is not, okay, boomer, which is again, <laughs> testament, testament to your uh, your genius is that you've been able to word a question to which a lot of comedians of your generation normally phrase it to be like, why is everything woke now? Right, and, right, right, right. So I, I, I think there is an, I think there is a valid point argument though, because I feel like, for me, the, the problem is the commodification of uh, identity or political identity, and that's led to people moving from a state of pride to shamelessness. And I think there mm-hmm. is a difference. Mm-hmm. I think pride, as we've understood it historically, and particularly in this uh, the Holy Month. Um, is more of a collective rebuttal or rebuking of condemnation from uh, society at large or dominant culture. So when people speak about gay pride or black pride, and then the reply is, well, why can't there be straight pride? Or why is there not white pride? It's because no one has ever told you you're free for of a human being or you're not entitled to do right. the same economic and civil opportunities as, as a normal person. So this pride is more about... This is how I feel about myself in spite of what you may suggest or in spite of large scale condemnation. Obviously, as that has become, those progressive ideologies have become more successful and people have become more recipient of those ideas or receptive of those ideas, sorry. I think that's kind of been co-opted and whenever there can, a buck can be made, then it moves from pride to shamelessness. And it also, you know, any ideology in the wrong hands can be weaponized and misused in the same way that you know feminism definitely needs to exist but in the wrong hands that can become chauvinism mm. in the same way that you know socialism can be very effective as can communism has a lot of uh benefits but obviously in the wrong hands that can be weaponized to punish people and so yeah that's why we have a system of law and practices which i think well is normally based on precedent so i guess the way we can kind of determine why judgment is uh, effective is because is by the uh, judgments being accompanied by the wisdom of experience. So if you say to somebody, what you're doing is wrong, you should be able to follow up and be like, this is based on the fact that I've had this experience and long-term the uh, outcome of these actions or ideas is not necessarily progressive and it's not particularly productive to yourselves long-term. And I think that is a problem is that in the same way that, uh, what is perceived as liberalism nowadays has kind of been commodified into being like, you can be whatever you want, but what they really mean is if you're this, you can pay us and we'll give you this. So if you use the example of like body positivity, for example, mm. it's, I think obviously people understand that we don't have, there's no homogenized way that human beings can appear, but at the same time, there can be excesses to that. But the problem is that now people identify markets where they can be like, well, before it'd be like, you know, losing weight is healthy for you. And I think that now the message has kind of been, or having a healthy weight is important, right, I should say. But that's now been co-opted by corporate entities who are like, no matter what size you are, as long as you have the money, you can be whoever you want. In the same way with vice is that like, there are people who have certain vices or kinks that are normal and are just a function of their life and experiences, like anyone's kind of sexual identity. Oh, but that but, that creates massive judgments in people. I mean, people's yeah. people's sexual proclivities is a massive way to judge people. I just don't think there is a way to do no judgment, is there, David? Do you just you, you find it possible well, to really live that I, way? 
you know, you're talking to the wrong person. I mean, maybe you should talk to someone under 30. They're, they That's their world, right? You know, you, you I experience this, and perhaps you do, Dane, as well, performing with younger comics. Even having a perspective, uh, having a, and not even condemning an individual, but just saying, you know, this is, having a critique can yes. sometimes freak people out you know like oh critique is not allowed you're never allowed to have a critical view on anyone's choices you know i find this regularly uh on stage both in the uk and here in new york as well absolutely yeah and you know um it has a lot to do with how i was raised and i i i'm going to presume similarly with you dane yeah uh, you know, my parents and my mother in particular, I grew up Irish Catholic, and there was a lot of judgment in our home about what was right and what was wrong. And you're not going out looking like that. And you're not, you know, engaging with those kids and you're not doing this. And, you know, it was hard. It yeah. was hard. And I have had to, you know, as an adult process that and figure out how much of that is relevant to me today and how much of that I can let go of. But I also think that's a, a, a healthy experience, you know. I, um, to sort of your point, Dane, earlier, you know, one of the things that I say in my act is I talk about, uh, I call myself an LGBT OG, right? <laughs> like a proper old school gay, you yeah. know? And contrast myself with the younger gays. And one of the things I talk about is the closet. And my vision and my experience is that closets make gays. Without mm -hmm. the cl no closet, no gaze. And that now that we've obliterated the closet, which in many ways is a really positive thing, we've also obliterated the thing that made gays unique. We had a struggle. We had a a we had to find a voice. We had to identify what made us different. And and we kind of stewed in this place of of um observation and and self-critique. And there was a lot of self-loathing in the closet. And listen, I don't want to wish that on anyone. But what I see with a lot of younger gays who never experienced the closet, not in any significant way, um, they run around at Pride or they've got all this Pride. And I think, what are you so proud of? What, like, what did you overcome? What did you experience that was a challenge? And I often think pride without the closet is narcissism because yeah. there was no, there was never any thing. Not, you're, not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not rebelling. And, and, it, and it definitely, I feel like that's in any kind of ideology, especially ones that are supposed to be progressive that don't seem to be born out of or reflective of their struggle. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. They, you they, can kind of pay, you can pay homage to it, can't you? But I guess, I guess that isn't the language that's used, David. You know, you you could there's some, there is some of that, and I don't want to tear it all down. You know, no, of or course. be like the old gay, get off of my lawn. One of these people. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I do. I do sort of play that act a little bit, or play with those ideas in my act. Of course, um, it's an act, so that's fine. It's <laughs> an act, and you know, I can see both sides of it. But but I do think that um, sometimes in our celebration of Pride, which I'm, you know, also in, I, I also like aspects of the Pride celebration. Um, we, we, as, as you say, um, Dane, our, our pride can turn to shamelessness yeah. and, um, and people say, oh, well, you, you're only saying that because you're 50 something. Well, I can only see it now. You know, yeah. you can't really see it 
when you're a certain age. You don't you don't have the experience. And and listen, there's one of the questions I was going to talk about, and I think it's sort of an adjacent question, is will age and experience inevitably defeat youth and beauty? Is that inevitable? <laughs> you know? And I mean, biologically, age does defeat youth, right? I mean, that is the truth. Yeah. But culturally, sometimes I think experience is really forgotten in the conversation. And without experience, there's very little ability to have good judgment. It's well, no, it's 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 not surprising that no judgment, that that whole concept comes from a youthful perspective. And it's the youth who are pushing this idea, no judgment, no judgment, no judgment, no judgment. Well, yes, no judgment. Let's let's shave off the kind of extremes of judgment, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, because because mm -hmm. judgment is a basis for a lot of our existence. You know, you'd judge if that coffee you're about to yeah. drink is too hot. That's, you know, the basis for most of the things. It's just we, right. It's just right. And that's great. And that's what, that's what, that's what experience has got you, David. But, exactly. But this kind of folds in neatly to kind of my question, which is always good on this show when that happens. But, but I, I find what you're talking about fascinating because across the 20th century, there was many great fights to have on the liberal agenda. I think you could put civil rights right at the top absolutely uh, then i think you put gay rights on the next and then and then and then women's rights is obviously in there i'm not sure where you want to put not sure where you want to put the who higher up on this list but you know you got the list um and then and then it, it would be fair to say that that some of the issues associated with all three of those top three <laughs> uh, uh have been uh improved I'm not going to say solved. Yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say so. But you can't say they've not improved on some level in Western society, right? Massive improvement. Yeah. And, and yet, and yet, what came from in a that, short time? Yeah, and and I think what came from that was, unfortunately, look. The truth of it is that that youth, every generation, will find something to rebel against and fight yeah. against. And you know what? It's a good bit of being young, you know, people. Absolutely. I remember when my brother, who's now a 50 something year old lawyer, was like supporting Greenpeace in the in the in the mid 80s. You know what I mean? Because that was the thing to to do, yeah. you know, but th that, that almost seems quite dated now when you think of what the eco terrorists are doing, uh, you know. So so I, I just think there's always going to be something to rebel against. And, and, and it's and it's just messy. And it's just messy. And, and that's what leads to me talking about the pronouns thing, David, which you you talked about brilliantly in a sketch online, which I recommend people check out on David's YouTube channel. But the whole pronouns thing is almost a kind of embodiment of, of part of this world of judgment that we're talking about. Whereas, if it, you know, the people are judging people for using different pronouns and people are judging people for using them badly <laughs> and not knowing how to, how to work them. It's all a bit of a mess. Mm. Mm. You, you didn't phrase that as a question, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a bit of a mess, question mark. Yeah. <laughs> it's all a bit of a mess, question mark. Uh, it, 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 you, obviously, that sketch must have been inspired by some of the frustrations you felt right around around the kind of pronoun well, conversation. It's it it's a it's a hard sketch to talk about if people haven't seen it. But really, you know, it it was sort of inspired by a classic 
American sketch from a, a classic American comedy duo called Abbott and Costello, which maybe you've heard of, but they're from yeah. like the forties yeah. maybe. And they had this great sketch called who's on first. And it was one of them. They were talking about American baseball and they were talking about the, you know, the, the baseball players and one of the positions in baseball is first base, second base, third, you know, so it was who's on first. Yes. No, no, no. Who's on first. That's why I said who's on first. No, no, no. But who is on first? Who? That's who's on first. So it's it's a it's a language game mm-hmm. as well as a kind of, you know, comedy sketch. And pronouns really lend themselves to a language car crash, you know, yeah. because it's so imprecise when you're talking about they. It can mean so many different things. And so I just took that concept and turned it into a comedy routine. And I did it in my set for a long time. And then I turned it into a dialogue like the who's on first routine. And we filmed it. And yeah, I I just think that, um, and I I do think the, the pronoun wave is a little bit receding. And that is my hope. You know, listen, use whatever pronoun you want. I do, however, think if the worst thing that happened to you today is that you were misgendered, lucky you. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's a, a it's a you are not even in the room when someone is using your pronoun, typically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like I, largely, I don't care who what they call me as long as they're talking about me. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and it just strikes me that the battles have become so. Um, Minutia, right? It's minutia. It's the around minutia, exactly, exactly. And 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 it really isn't about you know sitting at the back of the bus or being denied a job. It's yeah. about not affirming how I feel about myself. I mean, yeah. the amount of which feels a little bit like you know. I mean, if this is what the battle's about, I got news for you. There are homeless people. There are veterans. Oh, there man. are, you know, generations of poverty. Can we focus on just the, within the LGBT? Just within the LGBT community, the amount of people in the world currently or in the history who have been physically assaulted for being gay or yeah. part of the LGBT community is, you know, astonishing when you think of how small a thing that is in comparison. But I, I like you say, I do get why people. I got, I got, a, the- I got, I got a theory on it, and I think it's, I think a large amount of the uh, focus or the petulance regarding pronouns and nomenclature, um, where where you're dealing with uh, sexual identity or sexual orientation or racial identity, uh, is a uh, because a large amount of the discourse takes place online, and I think yeah. with these with social media is one of the first times that human beings are experiencing uh, true democracy. In that, in that. While we have democracy in the West, it's not exercised politically because there are a lot of people who will be massively outspoken, who we've all met in various walks of life, will be massively outspoken, but won't vote. Or if they do vote, they'll vote along the very basic bipartisan political spectrum, whether it's left or right, Republican, Democrat, Labour or Conservative. But most people don't have the opportunity. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's your time to discuss uh, politics and social ideology at large. And the social media is the first time that arguably everybody has a voice. Yeah. By that token, that means that can be the people, the typical neurotic or the typical psychotic or you know everyone in between can now volunteer from the including the village idiot or you know town nympho everyone gets to yeah. say people who are looking for airtime yeah people are looking for airtime at a time where normally they would definitely be curtailed or if they weren't able to uh speak within certain parameters whether it's be able to tailor their language within a certain circle they probably would have a representative so We've normally had a democracy, but there's been an aristocracy of political figures that can speak on our behalf and communicate these ideas, maybe in a bit more of a civil fashion. And because of social media, it's caused two things. First of all, like you said, there's the uh, this sense of individualism and narcissism that has been heightened because there are so many people with a voice. Everyone is finding an angle to distinguish themselves from everybody else. Yes. So now someone may have kissed the girl in a game of spin the bowl in elementary school. And they'll say I'm a pansexual because right. now I, I get to be a part of a distinct minority, which puts me in another group, which at least separates my voice from the herd within social media. The other thing is that because we recontextualize ourselves on social media and how we appear, we've not we've uh, not had to, social media and the ability to talk with other people is about it's in its teen years, basically. Mm. And I say teens because this is where the adolescent uh, disposition comes from. That when you used to say to a kid something like, you should put a jacket on because it's going to be cold. They'd be like, what? I can't show my breasts. You think I'm a whore? That's why. And there's always this overreaction because there's not this wisdom of experience to be able to interpret something as advice or as counsel. And that's now begun to migrate offline and become a part of social etiquette where people can misconstrue things so much. Moderation in terms of belief has basically almost disappeared. Well, moderation where, in terms of response, right? Like, as in, yeah. you know, for someone to make a mistake in in a in a situation, oh, yeah. it's now like you could be. That's I'm never talking to that person. I'm never listening to that person's music. I could. You could just be gone. Well, I don't know if you've heard this. This uh, sort of uh, it feels like a meme that's out there now. It's about impact, not intent. Yes. Right. That's, so it really yeah. separate. Really, they're, they're, it really the, the individual has no agency anymore. It's about how their words impact, and and so no one can ever correct. No one can ever take responsibility. And say, oh, I'm sorry, or learn, because it doesn't matter if they're learning. It doesn't matter if they're making a mistake and getting better. They made an impact, and yeah, so they the have to be condemned. The spectacle, because all of your. Uh success or or i guess uh your effectiveness online is measured by a number 
as opposed yeah. to the yeah, being able to qualitatively measure the quality of your impact. If somebody says something which basically gives somebody the tools to manage their lives better, if it doesn't do the same numbers, like I said, and give the same impact, nobody really cares. And that, and I think the other part is this fear now where when, because the term democracy means mob rule or majority rule. And that's not mm. always a positive thing because, you know, speaking as a descendant of a black person, if you're in front of a jury of your peers in an American court circa 1965, the majority rule is not going to be in your favour, even Absolutely. though it might, even though it, the, the decision might be morally bereft. When it comes down to majority rule or mob rule, it's not always a good thing. And I think nowadays people, when they express any idea or they make any kind of statement, people are so fearful of mob backlash that they won't even take the position of being incorrect because of that fear of that backlash. Because oh, a phone now effect works as effectively as a pitchfork or a torch did in a medieval times. But you think yeah. about it, we've got we've got in this in this podcast right now a, a, a Jewish guy, a black guy, and a gay guy. Right? We're a we're a we're a joke writer's dream, and I feel in the we're last a, we're, we're a writer's room's dream nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I can only speak personally. Obviously, you guys tell me your experience. People's inquisite ability to be inquisitive about my background as a as a non-religious Jew I'm not that into it but you can still ask me stuff you know uh and people do that so much less than they used to because they're so terrified of saying the wrong thing uh which I think is really boring because it used to be quite fun you know it used to be kind of a bit of a you know, not that I would take the piss out of people for not knowing stuff about but, but No, but that's how you learn. It was, it was if someone was able to take the position, so people could take the position of fool, but that would be also be a way of, I leave myself open to learning things. This is why, this is why sitcoms have been one of the most effective ways of communicating the nuances of various cultures hmm. to different people in America. Like, so for comedians, a lot of comedians, their basis for comedy is that I can relay an experience in order to find mutuality between my own life experience and that of dominant culture. And so then you were able to transcend that into a sitcom. So then when people saw these sitcom archetypes, they'd be like, oh, there's a paternal archetype that I can relate to there. And there's a maternal one there. And I have a friend yeah. there. And that was how it's supposed to work. I think the problem is that I think reality TV has definitely played a large part of it because reality TV, so much of the aesthetic of it is superficial. So it's like this reality TV is about these Armenian women who look this way, who are racially ambivalent. We don't know any nuance about their heritage or where they're from. Is that this is what they do in their day to day? They get their hair done, and this reality show is about an Asian family. This is one is about a Mormon family, but none of these things scratch the surface or show the reality, which normally it's the stuff we don't see, which is where most people can draw their uh, commonality between other people. And so, mm. for example, there's so many reality shows that's supposed to depict different walks of life, but what they don't show is the dysfunction. And a lot of the time, it's only when we hear when the uh, the documentary comes out about what happens behind the scenes that we as an audience go, oh, they are like normal people. So, okay, that's fine. Because there's always this veneer that's presented to us nowadays of people, which again, separates us so much because I think so much of entertainment, which most people go to, to form their perception of the world, is so focused on these political identities or being so superficial that it makes it so much harder for us to learn about other people. Whereas... When yeah. we have true humanitarian or human interest stories that show the question drops and the struggles that people have psychologically, then most of us are like, oh, do you know what? That's some shit I go through. Irrespective Ooh. of who this person but is or what the orientation is. Dane, I something through. I think that you and I really have in common and Howard, I, 
I'm not sure. Are you are you a stand up? I did some comedy at some point just to make sure I understood you people as well because I work right. with a lot. I work with a lot of comedians, so I did it for two right. years. I enjoyed it a lot. I think that's something that I've always appreciated about you, Dane, and I think it's it it connects with what you're talking about reality shows versus sitcoms. And this sounds super wanky, you know, but I I really stand by it is craft, you know, and when you have these concepts that you have to then craft into a sitcom, right, that have rules and conventions that you can absolutely subvert, but you have to know them. You're Mm -hmm. playing with your materials, you know, and it's a restricted form. There are certain things you can't do or it, it, it breaks the form. Um. All that craft is necessary because that helps you communicate these concepts in a way that people can receive it. Whereas in this world of reality television, there's no craft at all. They're not, yeah. it, it is, as you say, so superficial and and hence so empty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not communicating anything, just giving kind of almost like a an adrenaline rush, you know, for the 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 viewer. There's no other journey that you're really on and i try and you know i i really value that and the comics i like the most are the ones that invest in craft and are like not just coming up with great ideas and uh are funny but are are really thinking about how they communicate that and what like literally what are the words they're using and and what is their stage press you know what what are they doing with their bodies at the time all of that stuff it sounds you know, maybe some people think of it and, and, and think of that. I'm not even looking at that. But really good craft, you're you you don't even see it. Oh man, exactly. I always think about I always when you're talking there, I just can't not bring up Frasier, which to me <laughs> is yeah. one of one of the all-time greatest pieces of art anyone ever created because it tricked a load of people to take something highbrow in. And by taking this what felt like was this highbrow show, they actually gave you the most whole like wholehearted family, like most basic moral compass. I, yeah. I, ever, I think any show ever really did, you know, lots of shows do. And all of those, all of those actors as well, at least the majority of them had all been on Broadway for years. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So they were used to playing big, big rooms, you know, and being able to communicate uh, subtle uh, emotions in a massive stage, but, you know, having to be able to do it in a super economic way. And that kind of training is the same kind of training you and I have done playing gig after gig, after gig, after shitty room, after shitty room, after shitty room, big rooms, small rooms, basements, attics, all that stuff over the many, many years, you develop the skills. And what are the skills that the Kardashians have around performance? How, how is it, or those, 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 program makers like what are those how how can we expect them to communicate complex ideas you know we can't and we can't and 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 it taps into uh a very strong thread across this period of civilization which is which is narcissism uh and a, 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 a thing that it seems to be dominating this under the surface, but obviously a lot of time, you know, very clearly, right out front. What yeah. what what is a, a a a big valued part of our society? You know, we we yeah. we're all guilty of it. We're all. But guilty. I think Dane, you really you really smart. It's really a, a smart observation. It's not 
you know, it, 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 it it's all, it's out there. So it, yeah. it's surprising I didn't see it or say it as, as clearly as you did. But this social media world is is so much driving a lot of this narcissism it's, it's and adolescent. the way that. And, and and the way these and even the tools that accompany it like it's it, we don't always notice it like it appears in different functions like for example w historically we, we grew up with the idea that like producing um or even the term content is it, it, it i think it's kind of problematic because mm -hmm. obviously the idea of art is that i take uh something that's intangible something cerebral or esoteric and i try to use the tools i have to make that something perceivable to people who are outside of my mind or my soul depending on what you believe Whereas content can vary so much, it's it's just it really is just a thing that really may have no value after it's made. Whereas you know, or, the idea it's just splurged out. There's yeah, no yeah. there's no and shaping. There's no there's nothing. There's, there's no crafting. It's it's only goal is to exist in order to drive up numbers, and you know that's very very different to art because. There are some people who I can look at who may have 10 times the amount of followers and engagement I have based on the content they produce. But if you were to ask anybody to recant any of that content produced or what it meant, no one would be able to. Yeah. And, and, they, and yeah. they've now they've just and they've created this uh, uh, cycle of output where your audience basically sit are like Pac-Man and it's just in perpetuity. They continue to consume and consume and consume. Yeah. And all their only oh question God. is, and what's next? And, that doesn't yeah. lend to art because obviously art is normally uh, fueled by experiences and loss and gain and all of the crests and trough of the human condition, which we're all going to die from one day. And well, the problem and with social media is that it gives this idea of perpetuity. Everything is ongoing. Nothing can reach a conclusion. No growth happens. And you can see how that manifests using the Kardashians as an example because, you know, you get older. And so that is part of the fact that aspects of your life reach a conclusion and you move to another phase. Whereas the Kardashians, everything happens in perpetuity. Even if you watch the show, it happens in a loop. So the next episode basically dedicates 20% of the output to what happened in the last episode. And so it's so ongoing. You understand why they have to have cosmetic surgery, because if you constantly have to remain in the same state, repeating the same patterns for the sake yeah. of content, you have to keep changing because you're not able to grow old and, you know, even the tool of the, the phone, the way phones are used is that they have this ongoing thing where as long as you're prepared to keep scrolling, it never ends. And before with TV and entertainment, before with art, the art is limited. That piece of art is limited to the size of the frame or it's limited to, you know, how long the lights are going to be kept on an installation. But at some point, TV used to tell you it's time to go the fuck to bed or the news would understand these are these are this is the news tonight. And like using something like Frasier is that Frasier would always be dovetailed by him giving a monologue on the radio. That's how we kind of, that's our outro. And then it was kind of like, this has been my trials and tribulations for today, but tomorrow is another day. Mm. Whereas, but the form forced it to say something because mm -hmm. that was, you know, it had to have this final monologue. So that had to, had to mean something, you know, without that, those conventions, as you say, it doesn't have to mean anything except continu continuity. That's the only yeah. thing that we get from this stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, such a smart it's, way to think about it. It's, 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 it's just that the effect that it has, particularly on young people, is that they are never arriving at a point where they can reach a conclusion to something. And mm -hmm. to then be in this constant state of always having to be active 
Well, they're not happy, yeah. Dane. They're not. They're, you know, yeah. the statistics are just rampant. No they're, not, they're not happy with yeah. it. You know, yeah. we've given them this thing. But that's where the narcissism comes from as well, because how can you be happy? You're so always immersed in things. And, you, you know, the wisdom of experience doesn't allow you to then be able to step outside of something and look at it objectively because you are constantly involved and constantly engaged in this ongoing discourse and people are always adding new ways. And if you do that forever, like I said, it's like narcissists. You will continue to stare at your own reflection and nothing changes. And that's the perfect way to describe phones because the phones have been designed even down to the filters they use that you will look better on your phone, on your phone's camera, than you will in any other reflective surface. So all that teaches your brain, if you are someone as a teenager or an adolescent coming to terms with your own self-image, I will be the fairest of them all to you. You won't look anywhere else. And that manifests by the fact that when you are offered a different perspective, like from someone who's an older person, who's an OG, it's very hard for you to take that in because you are now so locked in this tunnel vision of yeah. what's supposed to be your own reality and everything that lends to it and everything that feeds into serving your own reality that you can't hear any other perspective. And, you know, what happens is, and I, and I think that's one of the scary things for me is that uh, I think there are a lot of people who have almost are starting to believe that their youth and appearance is a talent when it's the one thing that is depreciating in your life every day. Your age is the one thing that is changing within every second that passes. And yeah. some people have it so well, so invested in their youth. It's, it's, yeah, it's worrying. As I said, age and experience will always defeat youth and beauty, which is why I go through life looking at these beautiful people thinking, I'm going to defeat you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, one of the things that we have to contend with as comics and writers and, and you know, actors is that, and something I, I believe that you and I share, you know, we, we're artists. Yeah, we are artists, absolutely. you know, and I, 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 I stand by that. I'm an artist. Yes, I tell dick jokes and yes, I do all that. But I'm not. That's one of the reasons my, you know, agents constantly being like, get on TikTok. You've got to be putting it out. there. I think like, how can I create what I create in that form? Like, how can I be an artist in that world? You know, and I know people do it, but a lot of people don't. Most people don't. And art doesn't really thrive in that environment no. you know and, That's and right. the, term, the term influencer is also very worrying because it seems to have tried to infiltrate or masquerade as art where art is you know the endeavor of art is as, as i said before and, and assisted and art is always able to be open for interpretation including the fact that because it's normally it's a snapshot of a time period of a mentality or an or an ideology and on even all of the alternate ideologies to a particular time Nowadays, this way of going back and condemning things that are we use to form a picture of of, of yeah. before is not very helpful because art has always been true. Art has always been art, and it doesn't command an influence. All it is is that it stands there and it's open for your interpretation, and that and that means that you determine how it influences you. Whereas now you have an influ influencer as a who masquerades as artists when at the end of the influential chain. It normally is a purchase. And I noticed that with like Instagram used to have the heart at the bottom of the screen. And now it's a shopping bag. Which means that there's obviously been a vested interest in, you know, allowing people to celebrate in their individualism. And if we're all special, then nobody is. And then the other part of it is that you can be special too. And why shouldn't you be special without having to go through, you know, the, the rigors or trials and tribulations or being able to, 
collectively yeah. commiserate or create with other people in whether it's the form of a closet. Or be in the closet. Or be in the closet, or, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have that that chrysalis yes. where you had to figure out who you were, you know, yeah. and now you don't need that. You can just share who you are so you never develop. Because it's like, cause I say to you, just by the merit of you being gay is enough when that's, well, and obviously the largest amount of the argument is that obviously this is a part of myself, but there's so many other aspects of my humanity that this identification alone should not take away from it. Whereas if people think, oh, by the merit of me being gay or pansexual or being intersex or gender fluid, that's good enough. Like I said, once your, your whole personality just becomes attached to this, when this finally does become a part, it becomes a part of popular culture, then you will lose a part of yourself because then you still have to work out who you are. And yeah. what people have said, that becomes a much more difficult process as you get older. And if your basis for your friendship group has nothing else other than your political identity, that also becomes very difficult because there'll be no basis for you to rapport build. And and this is, this is the, I think this is the worry kind of thing is that, um, yeah, a closet is needed just so you, because not the closet is really a, uh, it's a very succinct way of describing the stillness that all human beings require or the quantum of yes. solitude require to just yes. understand and be comfortable with yourself. Yes. Rather than, rather than seeking rather than seeking the external validation from you. Well, and 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 today when we've been recording this listeners, um it's worth pointing out that Mark Zuckerberg, the leader of Facebook, and Elon Musk, the leader of Twitter and a number of other companies have agreed to have a cage fight. Um um, I assume on YouTube, <laughs> and you can't help but think. Oh my god! What we've discussed is a perfect. Wow! Like, wow! What the fuck have you lot created? And 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 wow. you can't. Are you think? You think? What was the point in any of this? Like, firstly, it's like um, a, watching a movie. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so. It's like, an insult to and, all of us. And a movie that I wouldn't watch. Yeah, well, nobody like, would watch I it. wouldn't go to. David, you know, I, I was just about to bring up a movie actually because. Um, a lot of people are talking about this film because it's ended mm. up on Amazon Prime. It's called Triangle of Sadness. Uh, I don't know if you mm. guys have seen it yet. Did, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it yet, but I've, yeah. I've heard. I, I, I'm not sure it's for everyone. You know, not everyone's going to love it. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it kind of ticked my dark comedy box. Um, but it, it, it did poke fun at some of the stuff that we're talking about. The kind of senselessness. You know, it's like we 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 built this world. And now we're looking at it going, should we have done this? Like you can, yeah. we could, we could still tear it down. We could all reject it. Like, uh, you know, it's not vital for everything. Like for the podcast, you know, it's a really interesting thing. Sometimes we'll have a clip from the podcast. We'll put it online and people might come to the show because of that. Lovely. Mm -hmm. Don't need to rack rack our lives with you know desperate the desperation how many people oh david could you say something really extreme so we can drag more people to a show yeah that we like, we, like make you know i mean when the great wave comes and the climate changes and we're all struggling to get a foot on the island which many people are in the world today yeah but when that comes to us they're not going to be asking how many followers you have no. <laughs> They're not going to be asking your pronouns. Do you know what I mean? So these things will be washed away. I watched, uh, I was a big fan of the most recent um, franchise uh, uh, trilogy, uh, Planet of the Apes. And that <laughs> yeah, went yeah. to a real dystopia, you know, and people had to really live in a more primitive fashion, you know, because the climate changed and the battle between the apes and the humans happened and all this. 
And that on some level is absolutely possible in our life. I mean, it, it, mm. it's happening around us already. Our replacement is already getting ready. Our replacement is already getting ready. And it's, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't care about pronouns and it doesn't care about exactly. race, uh, exactly. political identity. And exactly. not, not only that, it is learning about us all the time because we spent so many years separating ourselves, keeping secrets from one another. And we told this organism everything. Everything yeah. we hid from our parents, everything of our true yeah. selves we've hidden from the world at large. AI has been sitting there watching us pour all of our secrets and our innermost desires and our true outlooks at the world into its brain all the time. And so it knows us better than we know ourselves. And if it decides that we don't need to be around, we do not have a chance. And they won't have to launch one missile. They won't have to fire one bullet because we've told us all its secrets. And what we are most scared of, as it probably knows, is being our true selves. And that's a very easy enemy to over, over overcome if they're not even being themselves. But whatever happens, mm. listeners, keep uh, tuning into this podcast. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm saying that actually because sadly, guys, Dave, I'm really sad that we've run out run out of time. But this has been an Just, exceptionally oh, yeah, but only for this time. That's all. Yeah. So it's been it's only been great for this time. Absolutely. It's been great, uh, David. Genuinely, man, I'm so glad you came on the show. It's so good to see you, and most importantly for me, it's so glad to see how well you're doing. And what you're up to and I, I hope new thank york you. has given you everything you deserve um, thank you before we let you go um what would you like for our listeners and viewers to look out for what are you up to uh yeah gosh let's see so uh i, I it, for your listeners in new york i'm uh tonight at a venue called pangea in uh, the east village with my new show glamour and despair and that's also uh on the 6th and the 13th of july at pangea I'm gigging around New York City all the time now. So um, the best place, I, I mostly post that on my Instagram stories and that's David Mills, D-E-P-T, like David Mills Department. Um, you can also uh, read my newsletter, which is on Substack and it's called Quality Time with David Mills on Substack, if that appeals to you. Um, that's really the, the best way to sort of find out what I'm up to. Sounds like a good way. Yeah, cool and succinct. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking time, David. Uh, great to see you. And uh, hopefully I'll catch you uh, here or stateside very soon. Thank you. Yes, that would be great. It would be, it's been such a, a pleasure to do this. And Dane, so great to see you. You too. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapTiste and at the Howard Cohen. You can now support us on Patreon. Just search DBQE Podcast and unlock ad-free content and you can watch the full-length video of the podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE Podcast and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Thank you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.